0: The following podcast is an Embassy Row production.
1: Well, Darren, I can finally actually say welcome back to Scissoring isn't a thing because you're letting me start this one. And you didn't but actually wouldn't it let be me. Welcome,
2: wouldn't it be welcome to, not welcome back? back. Yes. <laughs> Meg, every <laughs> week. She's like, let me intro, and I'm like, okay, <laughs> it's the start of the show, and everybody. She's like, welcome back to Scissoring. as if it's the second part of the show, and I'm like, it's Aww. welcome, every, but you, you did, you did, you, boo, you did, you, I support you. It's like, maybe it's welcome back from last week. Yeah. Mm,
1: well, actually, fine. Fuck it. You know what I'm gonna say? Welcome back to Pride. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! And in very kind of classic Liz Cully fashion, we have someone. Joining us at the top of the hour, that I kind of cold messaged after receiving a cold package that I didn't know.
2: And then I hot packaged and then hot DM'd this said person today. Oh, you dm Oh, okay. Yeah, I, oh, we'll I
1: did.
2: will get to that. Okay, well, we've oh got. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't like salacious. We were
1: just DMing. Okay, well, I know you guys are on the edge of your seats, but we have <laughs> photographer and San Francisco native like me, Meg Allen, joining us. For our first Pride episode of 2021. Couldn't have think a better person
2: to have joined for Pride. Welcome, Meg. Thank you so much for having me. You of are course. so welcome. Now
1: we ask everyone on the show how they would like us to identify them or what identifiers you use. Do you mind letting us know and the audience?
0: Yes. yes. I go by butch, non-binary, lesbian, all three work. Um, and I go by she, her, and they, them pronouns.
2: Thank you. Actually, Beautiful.
0: I do all the pronouns. I I don't actually have a preference. I feel like I've been called them all all my entire life. So I feel like the queers call me they. Straight people call me she. And you know, people way out in the middle of nowhere call me he. So they all kind of work.
2: Okay. You on the gamut. That's how Liz and I are though. Like if someone like because my name is Darren. If on an email you know, they're like, Mr. Carp. I'd be like, all right, whatever. Like, I'll take it. You know, like, oh, there's worse things I could Nobody's be. Nobody's so called I hear me Mr. Yet. I'm actually, I would love it. My You're wife, very femme looking and you have a femme name. Fair.
1: My wife, anytime we travel overseas gets called, he actually here too. And she's really sweet, but she is, I have the deep voice. She is such a like, high pitched voice. It always cracks me up. It's usually like Uber drivers. And they're like, Oh, uh, mm, mm, uh, sorry, she and she's like, I don't really give a fuck. Like, it's totally fine.
0: Yeah, um, it, ha- it happens so many times that you're it, the other people usually more embarrassed. And you're like, it's, it's not a big deal. It's not a big
1: now, deal. Meg, you the cold package, which is a hot package that I received was mm. by way of my childhood friend, Stephanie, and I was so excited. I got a package and I'm like, what is this? And it was like from, you know, somewhere I didn't know. And it was handwritten and I opened it up and it was this beautiful book. I can't wait for mine. For me, no, it's no. like borderline porn, which is maybe why it was sent to me. <laughs> but this beautiful book of photography called Butch, Black Stunning. And that is your book. And then I had to like look it up. My wife's like, who sent this to you? I'm like, I have no Idea. The author, bitch. Yeah, <laughs> I know. But then I went and looked, and so that is how you and I started talking. Then I, obviously I asked you to come on the show. Tell us about Butch and how it was created and, and how when. long
2: it took. And yeah, it seems like an undertaking.
0: Yeah, it was. So I started photographing in 2012. A couple of friends of mine were a lesbian couple. We're having a baby, and we were sitting there. and We were talking, and we always to skateboard together, and. I shot a picture of her because I was like, I have this idea. I kind of want to start photographing all my friends and I want to do a project that is all butch women or, you know, now I say butch identified individuals because not everybody identifies as a woman. And so I, she was like, put a, a skateboard to cover her chest because her breasts were just so big from being pregnant. And she was just like, you know, like, I don't want you to see this part of me. And so that was sort of the first picture that I took that I it's never, I've never shown anybody, but I was like, huh, this is super interesting. It's like, I'm sure there's no pictures of pregnant women, like kind of holding up a skateboard to cover up their chests. And I just started diving into photography more seriously. And so I wanted to have like a project that I'd be working on. So I was like, okay, maybe this can be it. I'll photograph the portraits of my friends and then I can work on my portraiture. And I can also like do this, this thing i think that maybe has some resonance especially for me and so i did that one and then i started to hit up other friends of mine and all of them were like oh that's kind of an interesting thing but nobody wanted to actually be in it they were like no 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 like i'm not i don't want to be photographed i'm not a you know professional model anything like that so i really had to coax like 10 of my friends to do this first just to to like kind of get it going Um, And as I started to like put each portrait around the room, I was just kind of overcome with like how amazing it was to have all these different portraits of butches looking at me. And I was like, this is, this is important. Like I want to see this. And so I just was like, maybe I'll shoot, you know, 15 more people. I'll have a show somewhere, maybe the Lexington club. And then maybe I'll use that to try and like apply to an art school or something like that. And it just sort of kept evolving as I photographed more people. It got kind of put up on the internet. I did end up having a show at the Lexington and it was packed with people. I couldn't believe it. And then people started emailing me and were like, can I be in this project? And I
2: was just kind of like, it just kind of grew out of my hands very quickly. I love that. You know, and it's called Butch. So you kind of, there is that stereotype of, you know, you know, kind of what you're going to get. But if you could describe Butch, what would you say that it is?
0: Well, so I fell upon that term. It was sort of like a working title um, because I didn't really know what I wanted it to be called, but it was an investigation into sort of the butch identity. At the time, this is when I was shooting, there was a lot happening within the queer community in San Francisco. You know, a lot of former butches were transitioning and there was sort of this, um, worry, I guess, that all these butches were transitioning and we, were in the community was losing the butches, which I knew wasn't true. Um, there's always been sort of an overlap between the trans men's community and the butch community, queer. And, you know, at that moment in time, it finally became possible for people to physically transition. So people who were always trans were just becoming more themselves because right. they had the tools to do so. But I did want to know, like, what What is this identity? It's shifting so quickly. The language was shifting so quickly around it. You know, it went from butch um, and, you know, we had terms like bull dagger and diesel dyke and bull dyke. You know, even dyke was sort of a pejorative term that got reclaimed. And then the, the language started to shift into more like gender bending, transgender gender non-conforming, uh, and non-binary, I think, was probably still more academic of a term at, at that point. I'm not sure exactly when that kind of came about. Masculine Love Center was another one. So I was like, what is this identity now? And who kind of falls into it? So I was sort of looking for people to self-identify. And a lot of the people who are in the project, were in the process of transitioning in the time, maybe maybe like five to ten people. And I would say maybe twenty to twenty five of them have now fully transitioned. So wow. it was kind of a, a cool opportunity to just take a snapshot of the community at the time. And you know, there were a lot of people who identified as Butch and still identify as Butch. And so to answer your question in a very long way, I would say that Butch is is sort of a more of an of an older term almost like a lineage i guess for gender non-conforming non-binary and i feel like the term butch like the term lesbian has had such negative associations with it for so long. Like people, like younger lesbians, even me. Like knowing the aughts, I was like, "Oh, I'm not a lesbian. I'm queer. Like I don't want that. Yeah. Tr- <laughs> you know."
2: It, totally. It the- it's an uh, it's like its own like pushing away of that stereotype. It's like I'm not that right. lesbian. I'm this right. lesbian. I'm not that yay. Yeah, you know? Right. Yeah. And and so
0: it's like you know what does that mean? What is that lesbian? You know? These are the, that lesbian are the women that came before us that paved the way. I mean, yeah. amen we are able to live so freely and be who we are at this point now because they had to push real hard Um, and they had to be exactly who they were and a lot of lesbians a lot of bush lesbians like were met with violence and it was like the reaction to wanting to express your gender in a more masculine way as a woman was with violence like you basically were just you know you were not allowed to do that. We saw that like with like in the media, especially in 99, you know, Boys Don't Cry came out, you know, and so even well, uh, one of my favorites. Yeah. Yeah. Even though Rantina was like a trans man, like I think a lot of probably butchers could identify, you know, that was what, at the time the media was all kind of like, like the response to butches and being this identity was like, you had no future. You were going to be raped and killed. That's right. That's your future. <laughs> so, you know, Again, to answer your question, part of the way that I was able to define Butch was in imagery. I wanted to show the spectrum. Butch is any age, it is
2: any ethnicity, any race. It's almost like a persona or like a confidence almost too. It's it's visual, but it's it's a personality yes. and of its own type too. I, I
0: would say, yeah. So if you're looking for like, a, you know, it's sort of like this masculine female with the swagger and, you know. Yeah.
2: Then of- I'm butch. You don't have swagger. No, do. You don't think I have <laughs> swag? I know I have swagger. You've told me I've had swagger before. Okay. See, now we're reclaiming this, Meg. We're reclaiming this. Okay. I have a
1: question actually about a time when I really had swagger. <laughs> Let's talk about the Lexington real quick. Oh, I took a couple of ladies home, let me tell you, back <laughs> in my day. But um for those that are listening that don't know what the Lexington is. It was her mom
2: three times, but she doesn't mention that, Meg. Yeah. <laughs> I hate you.
1: No, actually it was the first time I ever slept with a girl with fake boobs. Crazy.
2: Anyway, that's an experience. Whatever. Yes.
1: Okay. I have to like live vicariously through my former life now that I just like do nothing fun. Anyway, but the Lexington no longer exists. And for the listeners that aren't familiar, it was really this iconic lesbian bar in San Francisco that was a safe place. It was, I mean, it was, it was so many things to so many people. It was the first place I ever went when I tried to like meet other queer women, I was terrified, but now that that's gone. And I think a lot of people, you know, there's a lot of conversation about these places not existing anymore. And in many other States as well, if you were to do the book now, like, What would Butch culture, what would queer life in San Francisco look like? Because when I did look through your book, you really did capture a moment in time now that the landscape has kind of changed for the queer community in San Francisco, Oakland, et cetera. Like, what do you think it would look like now?
0: For sure, it's changed a lot. San Francisco has changed from being sort of like a gay mecca to something different. And San Francisco sort of has that history. It sort of shifts gear, I'd say, every 40 years. And But, I mean, the context is different. Now we have the internet. So I think younger queers are finding, finding each other on the internet. And even the acceptance of gay people is different, especially in metropolitan cities like Whereas, you know, in the 90s and the aughts, we were like, let's stick to our bars because we can find people like us there. Right now, it's sort of like we can go anywhere. We can go to all the good places because we're not going to be harassed. People will give us service. We'll be treated with respect and dignity. And so the world has opened up, which is kind of like what everybody was sort of fighting for. But in the process, we have sort of lost these spaces that have become that were, you know, the only spaces that we could really go to without. Feeling any sort of like prejudice or oppression. Now, I think you find people on the internet, I don't know, straight, it's being friends with straight people is also, it's like easy. I mean, straight people are very in their into their own like fluidity and like people who were formerly very, very straight are all of a sudden like, well, I don't know. Like maybe, maybe I'll try this, you know?
1: I can see Meg, many straight women saying that to you. Why? But
2: I... <laughs> they, they meet you and they're like, Maybe I don't, don't know. Maybe this. to you, maybe not as much to me and Darren. <laughs> right.
1: Just kidding. I'm sure it happens to Darren all the time, but not with me.
2: No, no, not enough. <laughs>
1: yeah, no, I think you're right. I think it's, and it's an interesting thing to bring up that in some ways those spaces, I don't want to say that they're not needed because I actually would argue that they are, but, but they've they're evolved. not, they've evolved. And that, yeah. you know, now, unfortunately we go to the Abbey or even like, the Eagle or wherever here in L.A., it's like they're primarily straight people in those places because they have great music. And I think they put like butane in their drinks and people, straight people <laughs> tend to like that.
2: It's funny because tonight I'm actually going to uh, Leia DeLaria's documentary about the lesbian bar project, about how there used to be, you know, 50,000 lesbian bars, essentially, or there's 50,000 bars in the United States and like 14 of them are still considered lesbian bars, like true, you know, Cubbyhole, Henrietta Hudson, things like this here. And I'm curious to see, like, it was kind of this immemorium of how it's kind of started off and Lexington obviously was mentioned, but... There are positives, though, I guess, about the shift, too, that we can go into this heterosexual deemed bar and be, you know, either A, still meet people that are kind of like us and also like be totally accepted. When you were undertaking this project and you were either coaxing your friends or convincing other people or then flooded with people who wanted to be a part of it, A, did you have a criteria of who you could put in? And B, what surprised you the most about doing this project that you weren't expecting?
0: The criteria was self-identification as Butch. That was it. You know, if Liz would have hit me up and been like, I identify as Butch. Like I
2: would like to be in your product. I'd be like, okay, great. Like, well, I would have done that just to be in the book. I gotta be, I gotta I would have <laughs> I just was lied gonna for say, a second Darren, and I would have been, I'll be Butch.
1: Parents yeah. <laughs> in trouble because she identifies as chapstick lesbian. So I don't yes. know if that really would have made the cut.
2: That's Meg's next book. Chapstick Lesbian is just me in different poses. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
0: Dead. I think the most surprising thing was that my own definition of what Butch was 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 narrow. I think that I Thought that maybe it would be a lot of self-identified, maybe female women who s- still had breasts. I thought that most people who had top surgery had fully gone over into their the realm of trans men. And I was like, oh, there's overlap here. There are people who have had top surgery who still want to identify as female or masculine centered, non-binary who still also want to keep this title of butch, which, so I thought that was really interesting and cool. And yeah, I think that was the most surprising thing that there were a lot of trans, trans men who still identified as butch.
2: Even the language that all three of us are using amongst each other. Like it's always very impressive about how really colorful, like the world has become. Like I'm thinking even like 50 years ago when it was like, you're either gay or you're straight. And like, that was it. Like b- talk about not being bisexual. I mean, that was like, pfft. Liz, you're off the map. Like, and even, <laughs> even us who were lesbians, like shunned, you know, and now it's like, you could be a gender nonconforming lesbian, but maybe sliding into the trans, you know, just figuring it all out. And everything's very colorful and fluid. And I'm so happy that our, one of the things we try and strive on this podcast is just like learning people's language about it. And it's just ever expanding this dictionary of just what you can be and how you want to identify when you were saying like people who get top surgery To me, that could just be like getting a tattoo. That could just be like an aesthetic that you like, and it might not have anything to do with gender expression and or, you know, sexual identification in any sort of way. It's just, I might not like them and I want to get them removed. And people often forget that. They put so much weight behind every other person's thing. And sometimes those decisions are just, you know, getting a tattoo on your wrist for some reason. And that's, it's kind of a beautiful thing. I I really, I really like it.
0: Right. I mean, it is, it's what you say. It's an aesthetic. So. Right, and everybody sort of alters themselves in one way or another now. I mean, so hair, mm-hmm.
2: no, like everything, right? Everything. it's Everything, everything. so yeah. Not me. We just put so much. Oh, po- natural we put so over much here. Well, we put so much. <laughs> yeah, okay. Not moving forehead for a little while. Um- <laughs> <laughs> uh- <laughs> it's okay, I Live it. in LA, so exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah, you- <laughs> Meg. You should have seen the spray tan she got last week. I don't it want to was- talk about it. I it was listening was, to that. I, w- I was like, God, I wish I could see this. And you had all oh, on yourself. Her hands were like, like my watch color. Like it was just, it was <laughs> bad. It, it was just- an
1: unfortunate thing. A question for you. Uh, some of the individuals that, you know, you said you were capturing them as they were beginning or mid transition. Did any of those people, <sighs> I don't want to say regret doing the book, but, you know, Darren and I have friends and have, Folks in the trans community that we're close with, and we always want to really respect, like, their dead name, you know, not mentioning dead names in life before, just because if that's what they choose. Did you have any of that? Like, did anybody come back and say, Oh, like, I- this is really who I am now, and this is my most authentic self, and that maybe wasn't, or have you not had anything like that happen?
0: If if anybody did, they haven't said anything to me. But, um, you know, I was shooting it over the course of five years from uh, from 2012 into 20, 2017. And so right before I was about to hit send to the publisher, I reached out to everybody and I said, this is how your name is going to appear in the book. Like, are you OK with that? Uh, like, I'll make whatever adjustment you want. And there were a couple of people who were like, yes, actually, can you can you adjust it to my new name? That's so great.
1: I, that's wonderful that they had that opportunity cuz it is I mean the book is so so personal. beautiful and personal yeah. and tasteful that it's cool that you know that opportunity it was it's good they had the time to change.
0: Do you have a favorite photo? I think the one of Dahlia, it's always going to be my favorite she's the boxer. Oh yeah. Oh man, yeah. I mean uh, and she was just she's just a sweetheart. She runs a boxing club for youth in East Oakland still.
2: So she's a good person. Yeah. She's an amazing person. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, uh, right. She's really open when I was photographing her, she would just gotten through like t- doing this whole uh, like class with her kids and stuff. And, and she's just really into the sport and giving kids confidence with it. And, and I think I have a, I have like a color thing with red and blue. So a lot of the colors in there are red and blue. Yeah.
2: I, uh, I love that before we sort of wrap up here, cause it's kind of an interesting uh, first part to our second part interview for you, when you were kind of saying how we uh, reclaimed the word dyke in, in a lot of ways, do you feel that your book is also kind of reclaiming butch in the same way? Do you want butch to be reclaimed? Should it be reclaimed? I mean, what's kind of the difference between being dyke and butch? Because I think sometimes in colloquial nature, people often use them interchangeably mm. yeah. as a stereotypical kind of lesbian. And I think that there is a difference maybe not. What do you, what do you think?
0: I mean, I think it's, it's sort of, it's an older term. I mean, it was a a real big term, like, you know, in the fifties, I feel like, and I think there are people who like really identify with it and love it. And uh, there are other people who are like, you know, that was sort of for like older white lesbians. And like, you know, there's a lot of younger, especially people of color who will identify as stud or um, Like, there's a variety of other uh, of other terms to more accurately describe them. I mean, we were, a second ago, we were talking about language and I think even the difference between when I published this in 2017 till now, the amount of language that is available for us to describe the queer culture has just helped so much. Like before I was like, uh, if you were to ask me before, I was sort of like, I don't know, that's why I took 123 portraits of people because like right. one definition. But like, if you look
2: through the pages like that sort of gives you an idea yeah that gives you a visual representation of what it is because it's there's nuances in it you know i'm not sure that butch
0: needs to be like the young kids you know they have their own terminology for how they want to describe themselves and i think that's just fine but it's like more i just wanted to recognize that this is part of our history and by the way we were talking about leah delaria for a second back there like leah is a boss like she's like ultimate butch she was butch Yes. before it was like okay know, it's fun like, story it's
1: perfect Wait, like fun story me, you know real yeah. quick and also cross your fingers because it sounds like she's coming on this show so everybody listening bombard her with it dms in, in, but in i July, saw her yes. at the dog park meg you don't know <laughs> that i see everyone at the dog park and she came in oh. and she had a shirt that said fag across yeah. the cover of her and she has a huge dyke tattoo and I think a butch tattoo on her arm and she walked in and this older and I'm only assuming because we were at the West Hollywood dog park he I am making an assumption that he was perhaps in our tribe of being LGBTQ but an older white man just like looked dirty. He's like, that's a terrible fucking shirt. And I'm like with my puppy across the way, texting Darren, like, should I go up to her? Should I ask her to be on the show?
3: I don't and know I was what like, to
1: Let's do. Let's see what happens with she, this guy. <laughs> she turns around and in front of the whole dog park is like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, I've been a dyke and a butch. Like, I can wear whatever the I want and like shows yeah. her arm, which I think says dyke or butch or both. And I was just like, Oh my God, that's so cool. She, she is really so cool. the like coolest of all time. Yeah, no, she's a badass. I mean, she's bad she is like a hundred percent. So, and it's funny. So Meg, you are at the top of our hours, but yes. today we are so excited to kick off pride with someone who has supported Darren and I so much. She supports primarily lesbian, but also non-binary. And I think just anyone in the queer community, we have got, I'm such a dyke on the show today. Emma. And it's,
2: by the way, she's like in her twenties, Meg. So this is, she's reclaiming this old term too, which is why we love her. Cause she's like just That's brilliant. And, and we yeah, love her awesome.
1: so much. And Meg, we really wanted you at the top of this show. Cause it just like off Pride sense the right sense and wanted to kick off pride. And can you tell everyone where they can, Find you and perhaps slide into your DM with marriage proposals. I'm not sure if you're single or not. I'm just gonna believe in my own mind that you're single, but are don't are tell you anyone. Are you single?
0: Can we ask no. that? I'm I'm taken. I am not single. Yeah,
1: I figured it. it was a dream. I, I shouldn't even have married. asked. you're what married. You're married. <laughs> I'm married, but this is how I roll. But anyway. Please tell everyone where they can buy Butch and follow yes. your work.
0: And everyone should buy Butch. Yes. You can uh, follow me on Instagram at The Meg Allen, which is just The Meg Allen. Um, and also my website is TheMegAllen.com. Uh, there's also a, a link right on the first page to uh, buy the book. So it's super easy to do.
2: Okay, perfect. And we'll link to it, obviously, in our show notes and promote the shit out of it. I can't wait to get it. Meg, will you sign my copy? of course i will well thank you thank you so much we love you and we can't wait for more publications more chapstick lesbian novels to come out from you uh we cannot wait thank you so much for your time today thank you both again summer is here and we're ready to have some fun we wanted to tell you about our favorite summer beverage bev it's a crisp dry refreshing wine in a can and all five of the flavors are zero sugar and only three carbs, 100 calories per serving. This is pretty incredible. They have Rosé, Savvy, B, Pinot Grigio, Pinot Noir, and sparkling white wine. There's literally something for every occasion. My personal favorite, of course, is got to be the Rosé. I love drinking it at the beach and being on my terrace and sitting down and watching New York City fly by. We absolutely love Bev as a perfect addition to any summer activity. Brunch, a day in the park, hang out at the beach, or catching up with friends we haven't seen in a year. And this year, Bev has a new member of the family, Glam, a refreshing, sparkling rosé. It's unapologetic about who she is, and she inspires others through her confidence and radiating inner beauty. Glam is a must-add to the guest list for all the fun get-togethers this summer. And through the end of Pride Month, Bev has teamed up with Way Out and is donating all Glam sales, up to $10,000 to support Way Out's Youth Center Initiatives in locations across the country. So for our beautiful Scissoring Isn't a Thing listeners, we've worked out an exclusive deal. Receive 20% off your first purchase plus free shipping on all orders. We definitely recommend Bev Glam. I certainly do. Their newest sparkling rosé or try their best-selling ladies' night variety pack for all of their refreshing varieties. Go to drinkbev.com slash scissoring or use code scissoring at checkout to claim this deal. That's D-R-I-N-K-B-E-V.com slash scissoring. I am honored to introduce our next guest. Emma is the creator of the Instagram, God, I'm such a dyke. Emphasis my own here. I don't know how you're going to present it, but her memes have been featured on Ellen and reposted by Jennifer Beals. Hello. Uh, She sometimes has the opportunity to interview dycons, including Sandra Bernhard, Roxanne Gay as the associate editor of The Provocateur. And she also makes lesbian culture greeting cards of which she has sent Liz and I. So big thank you to you. Yes. Emma, welcome to Scissoring Isn't a Thing. I'm so glad to be here. Karen, I've followed you
3: a long time because, you know, like through Bravo. Sure. You're a dyke on to
2: me, so it's so (laughs) Oh, God. Well, let's just mute Liz's mic here for a moment, and Emma and I can take the wheels here, but thank you (laughs) so much. Now, when you were describing your Instagram handle, did I do it right? Like, God, I'm such a dyker. What, me, what would you put the emphasis on? Yeah.
3: For me, I remember the moment I thought that I was like watching something. It may have been like Liz Feldman or something. I was newly realizing I was gay and I was enjoying a piece of like lesbian culture so much that I thought, yeah. God, I'm such a dyke. <laughs> <laughs> and so that, that's how I say it. But definitely some days it's like, oh, God, I'm such a dyke. So it can any way you want to
2: do it is almost in disbelief of yourself.
3: God, I'm such a dyke. Okay,
1: I
2: like that. I I, I, I I like this.
1: (sighs) And you kind of make this next question that we always ask, ask our guests easy. But we love to give our guests the opportunity to identify themselves, both gender, sexuality, whatever. Mm -hmm. Would you mind identifying yourself for the listeners and for us?
3: I think people might be a little surprised because I would say that I'm just like gay, you know, and and I'm a lesbian for sure, but I'm not someone who's really big on labels, you know, Um, so I definitely identify with them through the Instagram and then just like lesbian culture I love but like for myself it's like, I'm just me and I'm gay. I Perfect. love it.
2: it we're going to have to get into it because obviously your Instagram handle carries mm-hmm. a a a derogatory pejorative but also a very empowering word as I'm sure that you know but let's go a little bit back to your um coming out story if you wouldn't mind. I mean, you kind of mentioned when you were starting thinking about the Instagram handle that you were watching a bunch of stuff and Figuring out your sexuality. So, how did you come out, if that's an appropriate term for you? Some people say letting in. Walk us through what that was like for you and how old you were and everything.
3: Well, I, I want to say, too, like I identify with Dyke, too, like basically all of the above. Like I'm just yeah. not gay, Dyke less, <laughs> but I didn't realize I was gay until I was like 26. I had no clue. So, wow. like, or not even in it, because I didn't really
1: come out. Like my first like real girlfriend was around 25, 20. Well, and also I called her a girlfriend. She would probably just say that we were fucking, but Friends, whatever.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> very lesbian of Liz. I'm very so lesbian of Liz. Very
2: but, lesbian of but, Liz.
1: But, did you, yes. but I always, but I had had experiences and I had thought about women. Did you just like never even think about it when you say that you didn't really come out till you were 26?
3: When I was in high school, I had a lot of very intense female, like monogamous female friendships.
2: And yeah, I feel you.
3: I say monogamous. Cause it's like, you're my best friend. Like we're best friends. Obsessive if,
2: almost. Yeah, yes. You know? Okay.
3: So like, even in elementary school, I had like very close female friendships, like long-term, like four or five years until I was on to the next one. So, um, but I wasn't attracted to them like, in like, it didn't ping for me. And I think it's because I'm not really attracted to straight women like I'm exclusively sort of attracted to queer women, like that energy. So I just think I wasn't around enough gay women to know. And then when I was 19, I moved to where I went to college and I met a gay friend and that was the first ping for me. And I remember going to her house and she had the L word DVD set, like on <laughs> her bookcase. There and I, was, know. I know what that is, even though I've never seen it. So I had a big crush on her, but I spent several years telling myself everyone has crushes on women. Like, why would you not? Duh. Like I'm not gay. Like why wouldn't you? So, and then I just kind of realized, like, I think I I had my best friend who's still my best friend now. who have been really close for like the last decade. I was kind of in love with her, but again, it wasn't that thing where like I wanted a relationship with her or I envisioned a future. It was just like she was occupying a space in, I think, my heart that really should be reserved for a partner. And so when I realized that, like, I think I'm in love with her. That is when I realized, like, I'm gay. And it still took me a couple of years to fully, like, I still toyed around with that for a while, too. Like, I I took my time.
2: You sort of mentioned this in high school about these, like, obsessive friendships. And I know you weren't necessarily coming to terms with it yet or didn't know what it was, but did you think, Oh, I'm not attracted to men. Like, w- was it a very like, you know, a lot of people, I think the signals are like, you're pretty much straight until proven guilty, right? Like most people happen to be straight at percentage wise. So was it for you of a, uh, I'm not thinking about it at all. Or are you like, I'm not attracted to guys. What does that mean?
3: I had boyfriends in high school and I was very attracted to them, like emotionally, sexually, like very attracted to them. But once I met my my friend in college who was gay, it was like a light switch went off for me and I was Got no it. longer attracted to men. It was like, I couldn't even- The same thing for me. What that was anymore. You know, like it just totally, like a switch flipped so quickly.
2: And this is without her kissing you or any sort of physical no, intimacy.
3: Just being around her energy, you know? What was it like the first
1: time you kissed a girl?
3: Oh my God, yeah. The first girl I ever kissed was my best friend. Though. so we were like drunk like just you know playing around and I remember thinking actually, I actually didn't like kissing guys in high school that's the thing like I, I liked everything else but I didn't like kissing and the first time that I kissed a girl was my best friend who's still my best friend now um I'm saying best friend a lot so th- I feel like that seems very I'm gay. like you have yeah, so many best same. friends but I love it I'm like I'm here for it yeah, I'm, I'm here for here. it I love <laughs> yeah. it when I kissed her I was like oh this is actually good like this feels right. You know, it was just like much softer and better. And so much better. That was my first kiss. And the thought was, this is better. Where, where did you grow up? In Georgia, actually. So like near Atlanta, like Northwest of Atlanta, about 45 minutes. So were there a lot of like gay people in the community
1: that were out when you were like, did you have a lot of gay presence or was it more TV and film or?
3: Well, um, my mom is an epidemiologist, and she's working in public health, so she always did like AIDS activism and oh, cool. she had gay wow. male friends. And so, um, and I could watch anything I wanted to watch in our household. Like my parents are like very socially progressive in that way, so I think I had a lot of exposure in that way. But in terms of high school, like there was one girl who was gay that we knew of, right, right, right. Very close friends with the high school gym teacher. Like it's a stereotype, but that's exactly what it was. They were like very close friends.
1: Wait, and does she know that you're like a gay icon now? Yeah, that you're a
3: icon. Does she know? I don't know. I I need to like look her up on Instagram and see. You
2: but have to. I, she
3: always felt very intimidating to me. Like I don't know. She just was like the cool lesbian
2: who like didn't give a fuck that anyone else with, anyone else thought that. of her. Essentially, yeah, didn't care. Did she wear like leather? No, she was very sporty. Nothing wrong with a sporty lesbian, ladies. Nothing wrong with yeah, sporty. Darren, where's spies. your head? Where's
1: your headband today?
2: <laughs> yeah, Darren loves a sweatband only when I'm working out, Emma. Uh, but I wore it on a podcast, and Liz will never let me live it down wait, because wait, no, hold on, Emma. It was with Brad Goreski. Brad Goreski, and-
1: <laughs> fashion icon. This bitch comes in looking like Jane Fonda, 1981. <laughs> I'm like, what are you doing? Talk about not giving t- a fuck. Took me like three hours to pick out my outfit. I was like, what am I? Been aware this one comes and in like hey guys sorry i'm just sweating a <laughs> l-
2: l- let me get my sweat band and my wristband out just doing oh. some uh aerobics fuck you but she's accurate okay I'm, i can't i can't take this away from liz you know you mentioned that you saw this dvd set of the l word which is obviously like our bat signal for any queer kind of woman it's like we all know the stereotypes of those women but you had never seen it do you remember Was the L word the first thing that you saw? We were like, oh, shit, lesbians. Or do you remember your first ever like lesbian cinematic experience at all and kind of questioning what you were seeing?
3: I didn't see Carol till like two years ago and people are going to like rail me for that. So I um, I would like to
2: God, you're such a dyke, Emma.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I am but I don't know. I went through a weird thing where I had a big crush on Ewan McGregor and Alan Rickman right before I fully was like, I'm gay. So that was a weird rabbit hole. I went down and Alan then I did. Alan Rickman. <laughs> this Made is RIP. Loved him. Wait, that's, that's another way. You know, you're probably gay. Although you're yeah. pretty mainstream but I think like Liz Feldman, I had a huge crush on her when I first came out. So I was, she had that show on YouTube. What was it called? Um, I don't remember But she had like Tegan and Sarah on fortune themester was on who I know you guys have you know interviewed who's so amazing. Oh yeah. Oh, and Kate Menick was on it. So I watched that whole thing. It was kind of like very low production values in the beginning, but just lesbians would come over to her house and talk. And it was when the L word was huge. So That was my first deep dive. And I like thoroughly enjoyed it. Like, I
1: also just want to say this for
3: all of the people listening. You
1: couldn't pick more like inside baseball person than Liz fucking (laughs) Feldman (laughs) to be in love with first. Like, I don't think most people actually even know. I know who Liz Feldman is because of fortune and because of like me living in L.A. and my wife worked in the industry. But like Liz Feldman is so like, you went real, yeah, you went like very get that is so dykey. And I love it for you.
3: And that I swear to God, I was probably watching the Kate Minnick, like a video of her and Kate Minnick at a lesbian bar from that show. And that's when I probably said, God, I'm such a dyke. Like, I'm enjoying this too much.
2: I, I relate to you in a lot of ways of like, I did date a lot. I had a long-term boyfriend in high school who I adore and loved and certainly was attracted to him and like uh, having sex with him or whatever. But until a girl kissed me was like, holy shit, this is what it's supposed to feel like. Like. But so for me, and I never really, I I never really was like, maybe I'm bisexual. I was kind of like, no, I just want to continue with girls now. I'm not scoffing at men, but I have no interest. Did you ever flirt with the lines that maybe you might've been bisexual considering you were attracted to men back in the day, or you went right to the lesbianism?
3: I don't think that I was ever like identifying as bisexual. I think I kind of went from like, I like dudes to like lesbian purgatory to where I was I'm not going to really date anyone, but I've like got these crushes on these girls to I'm gay. Got it. So I think because my like once I kind of like met that friend who was gay, it really was like a light switch went off. And like I just wasn't attracted to guys anymore. So I just felt like I was going through a period of like not really wanting to
2: date. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair.
3: I want to switch gears a little
1: bit to the Instagram page Mm -hmm. because it is. One, it's amazing. Darren yeah, and I amazing. are such big fans. We stand big time. But you really represent like all different types, I think, of queer women. Mm-hmm. Do you feel kind of a sense of responsibility to display and show the spectrum of queer women? And if you do feel that responsibility, how do you translate that through humor so well? Because I feel like there are so many different kinds of dykes out there. Like Darren and I talk about how like we're like gay women, but like a chapstick like,
2: lesbian. Is she's what a chapstick lesbian. Yeah. I guess <laughs>
1: I'm a lipstick, le- whatever. Yeah. I'm bisexual, yeah. but whatever. I'm probably more <laughs> gay as I get older. So if you do feel that responsibility to kind of show the spectrum, how do you like find all those lanes of humor to tap into?
3: I do think there's a responsibility when I first started the account, it was way more historical and it was like Mm -hmm. finding all different kinds of things, posting about them in depth, like doing research on them. And then around, like I started in 2017, around 2019, I was like, I really kind of want to start making memes because that would be really fun for me. And so I think that as the account has kind of gotten away from like the historical stuff, To more of like a meme account or just sharing like films and TV shows, iconic lesbians, and even just like news topics too. I think that responsibility is still there and I'm still trying to find that balance because I think when I first started the account, it was incredibly diverse. And its representation of all different kinds of queer women, and I think that that's lessened. And part of that is just because it's become more of a personal extension of me. It's like, what am I watching? Like, what's funny to me right now? What do I want to talk about? So I think that, especially right now, I'm trying to find that balance of like making it more inclusive, you know. Or even like with bisexuals, I posted about Demi Lovato the other day, who recently kind of came out again. Yeah. So she didn't really say like I'm I'm gay, but she kind of said. I'll never really want to touch men again. Like I want romantic relationships with women, and some people kind of get upset in the comments because they felt like I was doing a little bit of bi erasure, which was not my intention at all. So I think I try to to represent everyone, and I try to like be responsible about that. But I think we can always do better in doing that work. But in terms of the humor, I just. That's just how I am. My Mercury's in Gemini. So, like, I love to talk, you know? Okay, first I of all. I am a Gemini, possible.
2: if that means anything. Are so, you, hope you I am. Is.
3: What are you, Liz?
2: Are you a Libra? I'm
3: a,
1: I'm a Cancer.
3: I'm a Oh, okay, yeah. We both know that. Yeah. I'm oh, a yeah. Cancer. We've talked about that. Cancer, Sun, your moon.
2: You know, it's funny because as you're talking and like I want to get into a little bit more about the policing within our own community, how sometimes we can be very harsh with each other, especially with bi erasure, which is absolutely a thing. But obviously your Instagram handle uses dyke in it, which I think at least in past can be absolutely used as a pejorative, uh, you know, insensitive term to someone who identifies as a lesbian or at least looks like a lesbian. Right. Like, oh, God, you look like such a dyke today. I kind of like it because it's a very empowering word. Our podcast obviously takes this sort of stereotype and flips it on its head with scissoring. Liz and I kind of talk about leaning into the stereotypes and also owning them at the same time. Like stereotypes do exist for a reason. How much of that line are you kind of taking with your Instagram account? I mean, how much do you kind of want to be the like cargo short softball playing lesbian, but also showing like like. No, lesbians come in all shapes and sizes and formats and this and that. I mean, how much of you are how much of you are playing into these stereotypes and not?
3: I think my space is actually a very femme focused space. I don't know if you pick up on that was like, do you pick up on that, Darren? Like it's I think it's a more femme focused space because I'm more feminine. I know? do.
2: I, that's why I I'm definitely here for do. It. But I also identify with that as well. I'm just I'm more tomboy, probably uh, exteriorly, and I can still relate to being the femme side. So I just wasn't sure if other people who are maybe more offended by these things are thinking that you're not doing it enough or doing it too much, you know?
3: People do get upset sometimes and comment, but when you like do the analytics on that, it's like 0.01% of people have stuff to say like that. And, and they have that space to say it, but I think the stereotypes can be fun for us. Sometimes I think that we take ourselves so seriously that we can't yes. just laugh and I'm not someone who takes myself too seriously. So it's like the other day I posted something like, it was like a main, like there are two types of lesbians and someone was like, there's more than two types. And it's like, for me, that's a given in this space. I think we all kind of understand that. And every post isn't going to represent everyone. So sometimes the stereotypes can be fun. I mean, I think they can be damaging, but a lot of times it's just kind of just as a community that we understand. So I don't think there's anything wrong with us enjoying that, you know? We're not saying it's gospel. It's just one aspect of the world that we're living in together as gay women and bisexual women. And
2: And it's kind of empowering breaking those stereotypes sometimes. You know, like there's part of me that kind of loves when people are like, oh wait, you're gay? Like there's something that kind of makes me feel confident when people don't know what that's like, you know? And then of course you can get into like, well, what do you think a lesbian looks like or whatever? But I think you're right that we need to be a little bit less serious about everything all the time. Like clearly you're not saying that there's only A or B. Like you recognize that the alphabet goes to A to Z, but for this fucking joke, there is only A to B. And that's what makes the joke funny.
3: Exactly. Exactly. It's satire. It's, you know, taking things to their most extreme place because that juxtaposition is funny and it touches all of us like in a deep place. So there's absolutely that time for like pointing out those nuances, but sometimes it's also like, let's cut each other a break and like really see what's going on here, which is, this really is just like a lighthearted joke.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I don't think you're harming anyone by saying that. I don't think they're going to God, I'm such a dyke as a Bible. I think they're going for fun.
1: Yeah. Right. I think it's interesting that we are having this conversation in the sense that like we almost have to defend that it's okay to be funny. Right. And to lean into these stereo. It's like crazy. Right. Yeah. However, I do feel like in historic queer culture, gay men have had kind of a power and an opportunity to like reclaim being funny or reclaim the jokes about them How do you feel if you do feel there is a difference between like gay male humor and lesbian humor and why it's important that there is God, I'm such a dyke versus God, I'm such a LGBTQIA person.
3: Plus. Plus. Plus, (laughs) I, I honestly think that actually gay men are less restricted in their humor. I think that they police each other less, but there are people who would say that that's a problem, that there are like some major issues with like, Gay male humor. but also too, I think that they just have more flexibility and freedom. I don't think that they police each other as much. And I think our culture is just much more interested in them generally. So they've had more time to kind of be in the spotlight and develop this sense of humor and like poke fun at things, you know, on a, like a public stage. And I think there's more and more interest like in lesbian shows and movies. And lesbian humor and it's becoming more and more mainstream. But I think gay men have kind of had the monopoly on that for longer. So it's just a very different space for them.
1: And then do you think that it is, I guess the second part of my question was like, do you think that it's important that we do have our own spaces, even in comedy, right? That that doesn't have to be all inclusive and that it's okay for us to have like our inside baseball, our inside Liz Feldum, Feldman, <laughs> obsession, I'm still dead for that. Yeah, she's not going to survive. I don't she's know, if I, can, she I don't know she's, if I can get done. over that because it's like so one. inside baseball. Sorry. Yeah.
3: I think it's important for us to have our own spaces. But I also am someone who feels like comedy is for everyone. It's right. just because I don't I haven't lived in experience. I can still take a lot from that and just enjoy that. And like my friend Liza Dye, who's a comedian in L.A. and she's a TV writer. She did like an amazing stand up set and she was talking about the L word and it wasn't just like a gay crowd. It was like mixed and everyone was laughing like they got it. So I feel like humor is it's about like specific things, but it's also just about connecting and we're all just people. Yeah. Things are funny.
2: Things are fun. And things should be funny considering like the rest of the world seems like it's burning to the ground. Like I think humor is that kind of way to bring it back. And I'm pivoting a little bit to kind of what we were talking about, how maybe the sensitivities in our community. You've been posting a lot recently about Queen Latifah and Queen Latifah was kind of someone that I thought was gay, but I also didn't know was gay at the same time. Like, This seems to be a surprise and yet not a surprise to me all at once. And I don't think I've ever really focused on her. You know, she introduced the favorite at the Oscars a few years ago, which you talk about has this sort of this subtle moment of empowering and sort of the closest we've come to seeing Queen Latifah come out. How do you stroll the line of encouraging people to be who they are and coming out, but also respecting their right to not to and to be private? Where do you draw that line? Well,
3: the first thing I want to Get to that. and then the first thing I want to say before that is that I think that some of the sensitivity in our community and that policing comes from a very real place because yes. we have suffered a lot of violence and and you know uh, oppression in our society. so I think it all comes from a very real place. And I think we are in a space now where we're trying to navigate that you know these newfound privileges that we all have, some of the injustices like we've suffered so I just want to say, like, I want to validate, you know, my followers too, who do make comments sometimes where it's like, you know, there are things that we need to look at. And yeah,
2: you take it seriously, you just don't take yourself seriously. I don't. No, right. <laughs> I really right. don't.
3: So, Queen Latifah, I think, is a great example. The reason you probably didn't realize she was gay is because she doesn't really talk about it. And I fully respect and support that. Some people feel like, you need to be out and you need to be open and you're doing a disservice to the community if you aren't. But I don't right. agree with that at all. I really don't. I think she has the right to her privacy and she can separate that from her professional life. Roxanne Gay and I talked about it when I was interviewing her because we kind of brought Queen Latifah up as being someone that she's not really out, but wouldn't it be great if she was? I
1: remember yeah. that conversation. Yeah. Also, can you put in a good word for us for <laughs> Roxanne Gay because she curbed
2: our ass. I, th- I think our name. Uh, I think probably our, the name uh, of our podcast. Discouraged her to come on, but yeah,
1: she, it was a respectful <laughs> decline. So Roxanne, <laughs> if you're listening,
2: please come on our show. Please. Yes, yes,
3: yeah. Roxanne, that was an intimidating interview for me. The first person I've ever interviewed in my life, and at like a professional capacity was Sandra Bernhard, and I like oh, I was horrified. I love that Sandy. Moment. She's so harsh.
2: Horrible, She's tough. You
3: know. Yeah. Yeah. But She was so gracious and lovely, but they're both these incredibly formidable, wildly intelligent women. So to get to talk to them was like a huge honor for me. Um, and also very intimidating, but, uh, we talked about Queen Latifah and, you know, Roxanne was kind of like, I think it's good for people to be out. I think it's good for our community. But then also we talked about like, there is this right to privacy. And until very recently, you could pay a big professional price for being out. And I think that you still, I think people probably still do, you know, maybe not talked about as much. So I respect her right to privacy, but I'm still going to fan her as a daikon
1: because she is. I mean, the ninja guys, the motorcycles alone, like she has told us, Without telling us that she Showing is.
2: Ways, right? Well, even Super you, Emma, gay. you posted this meme of like Queen Latifah on like the concrete, the f- like it's so taking good. a picture of her girlfriend, and you're like, you know, your girlfriend's doing like, does absolutely nothing. And then like Queen Latifah represents like, you know, the lesbian girlfriend, like taking pictures and all And I was like cracking up watching Queen Latifah, like, take these like
3: weird weird but yeah like it just so much joy taking a picture of her girlfriend and it's like I want to find like find someone that looks at you the way Queen Latifah looks at Ebony you'll be good to go
2: it is such a tough thing though that I find that I haven't mastered the language for yet because often obviously with kids who want to come out like I never recommend doing it if in a dangerous situation. I would never recommend doing it, you know, if your life is on the line or you're going to be homeless or something like that. Like if your parents are going to kick you out, you might want to wait until you're financially dependent. There's certainly something to be said for that. But at the same time, I do feel, especially with the social justice movements that's happening right now and for a lot of people, certainly the trans movement is having this right now that the gay community benefited so much from people coming out and and yeah. for saying like, I'm not a crazy person. I lead a successful, happy, healthy life. And yet I fuck women when I go home. And that's really none of your business what I do. And so much of our community is served by that and has been served by that. And I think that's one of the reasons why, yes, it's kind of taken so long, but it's also happened in this really rapid pace of maybe the past 20 years that You know, listen, Obama wasn't for gay marriage when he ran in 08 and now gay marriage. It's like any any Democrat who's going to run against gay marriage, even to an extent, some Republicans, it's just not going to fly in the American public anymore. Like this is just not okay. And so I just I struggle with it a little bit. And I'm wondering if both of you do, too, of just what do you say to people when they ask, like, should you come out or not? I mean, if it's such a personal decision, but it really benefits all of us in this huge, great way. And I respect her right to privacy. Of course, I'd never out her. But to some extent, I feel a little weird that she doesn't. And I don't know how to square that.
1: Well, people have so many different reasons. And I think it's tricky because she's so famous already. Right. Yes. And I think that's where The trickiness lies is that if she was just a random person on the street and it wasn't safe for her or perhaps like I'm just totally making this up. But let's say her mother or her father was incredibly homophobic and the loss of that relationship wasn't worth her coming out. Right. Sure. But it is interesting when you kind of put fame into the mix of everything because one, we completely project and idealize famous people in an insane way. Also, note to everybody, don't meet your heroes. Liz Feldman, we're not going to introduce you to Emma because God knows you might ruin the fantasy here. Yeah. But I agree that visibility is so important and it's been so important in my life. And, you know, Darren and I, we just interviewed Anne Heche and like the visit we did, we did.
3: <laughs> exciting. I know it's really exciting.
1: She's great. Y'all should connect. I mean, she's a (laughs) wild ride. Let me tell you. Yes, she is. But like Darren and I spoke about the fact that seeing her and Ellen in paparazzi photos and like on the cover of Us Weekly and on the cover of People was important, was was really important for us. And even for me, because I was They were kind of that chapstick lesbian, but like also really femme, which was kind of cool for me because I'm like, oh, I don't have to like be a quote bull dyke to like be a lesbian. Like maybe there's a spectrum here. Right. But yeah, I don't know. I think visibility is really important. But again, I think it comes back to safety. And if somebody and Darren, I know you agree, like if it's not safe, then like we totally would never do it. But it's tricky when you're famous because you inadvertently could be helping so many people. Do you
3: well, like yeah. Jodie Foster? You know, Ugh. I think 2013 Golden Globes. She came out. Okay, in yeah. this year. So, and here we are. What is that? Eight uh, years later. Now we got. She kissed a
2: kissed
1: First of all, Jodie Foster has seen I, me naked. So
2: there you go. Yeah, I see Jodie. Naked, i know darren trust what? me
1: <laughs> yeah no i mean i was naked she used to go to the gym monday wednesday fridays between 8 and 9 a.m i used to go i'd be on the elliptical trainer watching her train and <clears throat> look at me and emma's day- faces right now
2: mouths gay. both of our na- both <laughs> and our mouths one day
1: are like- i was in the locker room and i was like getting ready which by the way was like the best locker room not to be a creep but like they're everyone is so hot at the equinox in mm-hmm. west hollywood it's like Insane. Oh, great! So and you're I creeping was, in the
2: locker room. Great. I was
1: I was creeping, and I'm yeah. in the locker room, but like no one's in there, and my locker is like in the corner. I'm naked. I'm like trying, and you know I, I'm not like a thin girl. Do you know what I mean? So like that w- horrible moment when your body's just kind of wet, and you're trying to put on your clothes, and like everything is sticking, and you're like shaking it around, and like trying to get dressed as soon as fucking humanly possible. You're shimmying
2: your pants. I'm like up. shimmying, <laughs> but I'm
1: like sticking, and I'm like oh, 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 oh. and. I feel this presence behind me. And I like look a and presence. it's fucking on an iPad, which was really weird. Jody Foster like reading the news on an iPad, just standing there. And it's the two of us. And all of a sudden I went from like trying to get dressed as quickly as possible to like
2: da-da-da-da-da.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, so she's seeing me naked. Jody, for listening, I love you. Also, does everyone just ignore that Jodie Foster is married to Ellen's ex-girlfriend who was also the biggest piece of shit on the L word and like did the whole-
2: Dylan, anyway. Emma's not ignoring this. Ellen's, I mean, Emma's not ignoring this. Emma has the full facts for this, right? Cause you seem to be like, you're like, oh, oh I know this. Is, yeah. I, um, Listen.
3: I love Alexandra Hedison. That was another one that I had a huge crush on. Talk about like deep dive. like oh, Alexandra Hedison, those are some weird- First crush deep dives, but I stand Elena. Like I know that's not a popular opinion, but I loved Helena and Dylan. I Me think too. they could have worked it out in season six. Like, you know, uh, Helen need to work on those trust issues. So I kind of love them. Like I'm I'm sorry about it, but she's such a star and so beautiful. And like Ugh. Alexander Hedison also is just an amazing person. She's like a photographer and she seems so kind. Like, I think
1: she was also with Sarah Paulson at one point. Was she? I think so. Don't quote and me. And now on this it. bitch gets
2: Jody Foster? Foster. What do who do I have to fuck to be Alexandra Hedison for like a day? Give me a day. Why don't you just fuck Alexandra Hedison? <laughs> well, no, because I'd never do it to Jodie Foster. I'd rather fuck Jodie Foster. I'd rather date Jodie Foster.
1: I disagree. Actually, we can have I'm this conversation obsessed right now. With your- I would, I mean, I'm obsessed with Jodie Foster too, but I think Alexandra, I mean, I, she can she can get it. So
2: she Emma what? It. What was your reaction when you saw them kiss? We posted it on Scissoring. Liz was like (coughs) up in the ready with that. When we posted it, what did you think? Were you like squealing?
3: This is amazing that Jodi like came out in 2013 and look how far she's come and being publicly out that she's saying like, I love my wife and giving her a kiss on camera. And it's Ellen's ex who Ellen left like just short at the altar for De Rossi. I don't know if you guys know that,
1: Oh, I but, did. And I love that you're bringing that up right now. Yeah. That so is the a- tea
3: we need. Yes. the tea. You know, they were together like they had just done like a photo shoot of their house, like a couple shoot. Alexandra Hedison had done the photos for it. And then like a month after that, Ellen met Portia, literally came home and was like, that's a wrap for me. Like I've met the love of my life. Her name's Portia DeRossi. I don't know if she said that. Uh, don't worry. You'll be married to Jodie Foster in like a decade. Didn't say that, but yeah. And their relationship ended, which is deeply fascinating to me.
2: You know? I mean, it's like, can I be mad at meeting Portia de Rossi and not falling in love with her? Like on one sense, no. And then we know that Alexander Hedison eventually ended up with fucking Jodie Foster. So it's like, that it's, could be a trade Which up. was a real glow up. Which was yeah, a real yeah. glow like, up. That's a glow up to me. I mean, it's that's Ellen, like- but it's Jodie Foster for fuck's sake. Like, That's pretty incredible, and you know, I think this kind of this goes back. I think between Jodie Foster, Queen Latifah side of things, and then someone, you know, I, I and you kind of put this into perspective without me even realizing. I think there's a difference between someone who isn't maybe forthcoming with their sexuality, but isn't denying it either. The rumors are swirling. You let the rumors swirl. You don't want people to pick on you, but you're not saying, "Ugh, go." And then there's other people in Hollywood that are like doubling down on that and saying like, no, gay people, fuck you, fuck you. Like that shouldn't be, that's a right. difference there. And that's a huge difference there.
3: Yeah. It's like Queen Latifah's is at one of like the most famous sites in the world in Brazil on the floor, taking a picture of her, uh. basically her wife. I mean, I think they're married, but her, her, you know, long-term partner, it's like, that's pretty out. You know, yeah, and that's and
1: pretty gay. He doesn't yeah.
3: give us, you know, that like that news grab of Latif has come out and maybe one day she will, but she doesn't have to. And Jodie Foster, too. That's another example of Jodie Foster had a lot to lose. So yeah. When yeah. she, I think that's when she and Alexandra Hedison met actually was around like 2013, maybe a bit before, like, you know, that she was comfortable enough to do that. We have to celebrate people where they are, you know, and I sometimes I feel like we want to push people further than where they are. And it's like, meet people where they're at and you know.
2: I think that's such a beautiful sentiment, honestly. Like I I could tell just Liz and I were both kind of struck by that because I think people are too often going to look back at what we said 20 years ago with a lot less knowledge, with a lot less sensitivity, with a lot less this. And it doesn't take away what was said, but I think people need to put these things into context a little bit more. And I often talk about with Liz and Liz knows this. So in middle school, you know, we used to be like, oh my God, that's so gay. You know, like for something, something that was like uh, uh, synonymous with stupid. And, you know, here I am, a fucking out gay woman. And I certainly wouldn't use that term anymore. But does that change? I wasn't homophobic back then. It was just the language that we used and the context that we used. And so I'm I'm happy to sort of be celebrated for where I'm at now, as opposed to where I was maybe when I was 11 years old. And I think that's a really, really profound statement that you made. If you don't realize it, to celebrate people where they are now, that's that's very true. And I commend you for making it.
3: For Queen Latifah and Jodie Foster, and just because those are the examples we're talking about, just working as women yep. in the industry that they're in, yeah. that's a huge thing. So to be working as queer women, that's huge too. Even if it's not like not on the radar, if it's on you know, the lowdown, that's still huge. Like they're still doing so much for us. So, you know, people could say, why didn't they come out sooner? It's like, well, I'm grateful for everything they've done up until this point. Totally.
2: Well, Emma, it has been so fun to talk to you. And, uh, you know, we've covered serious, we've covered not. But I'm hoping that you would be willing to wrap out the end of this episode with a game we call Scissor Me This, where okay. we just hit you with some rapid fire nonsense type questions uh, that are just fun. You can answer however you want. There's no points or anything like that. You cool? Let's
3: scissor. All right, let's yes, scissor. let's scissor. Okay. I love
2: you for this. All right, Liz, tee it up for me for Emma here.
1: Which L-word character do you hate to admit that you love?
2: Dylan, which l-word character do you wish that you secretly were helena yeah Dad, she's so rich <laughs> no Good i'm a dana call. girl I, mean, I know she, she dies of cancer great. but i love dana i love dana and bet too who wouldn't want to be Bet? right right yeah i mean the, but bet is smart
1: a fucking mess no yes, one wants true. to be
2: tina and that's a sad fact of it like no one ever picks tina tina's always the last person tina picked. is the worst yes. that <laughs> ever was I was so happy. They did a red herring with us and they were like, Laurel
3: Holman's not coming back. She's not coming back. And then she shows up at the door. Like that was they really pulled one over on us. It was good. Yeah, it was was good. It was good. It was good.
1: How would you explain? God, I'm such a dyke to like a 90 year old who like might not understand Instagram. (laughs)
3: Like to my great grandmother, I would say you know, it's women who, who date other women and it's just like the movies we watch and the things we think are funny. And, or, you know, maybe I wouldn't even say that. Maybe I'd say it's just like a bunch of women who are friends with each other and like all the same things. Like that probably, I'd probably like sanitize it for her as much as possible. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Probably like that.
2: Fuck, Mary, kill. Okay. Ellen, Rosie, Jane Lynch. Well, okay. I would. <laughs> God, I guess I'm gonna
3: like marry. I would say I would marry Jane Lynch, but she like got divorced from a psychologist, a lesbian psychologist, and I'm like, that's not good. Like, you can't make it with a psychologist. Like, that's not good. <laughs> so I would say her. Okay, so that's what I'll say. If if she had not gotten that divorce, marry Jane Lynch. I don't want to fuck Ellen. I'm sorry, I'd fuck Rosie. And. I might have to kill ellen i'm sorry about that but alternatively, alternatively i would marry ellen fuck jane lunch maybe kill rosie but she is america's sweetheart or at least she was in the 90s so that's hard
2: when you when all that ellen news broke were you surprised disappointed disheartened
3: Roxanne gay and i spoke about that too and uh, we kind of talked about cancel culture and like it really being a culture of consequences so you know I think there's always been rumors that Ellen was mean or like even like yeah. a narcissist or something, you know, and those have trickled down to like from the top, like on, on down. So I wasn't surprised. Like I was sad to see how quickly people were not looking at all the good she's done for our community, because like the two of you said earlier, seeing her and Ann Hayes together on the Oscars red carpet is game changing. And like to yeah. be openly out and just introducing like lesbianism to mainstream America. Like, I I don't think we can even understand how much she's done for us. So that made me sad for people to be so easily ready to erase all of that. But I also think that she had to take responsibility for that. And, you know, we'll see what happens moving forward.
1: Yeah. Well, kind of on that note, who do you think is the best lesbian couple of all time?
3: Lesbian goals. I have to say Sarah Paulson and Holland Taylor. Like they are just, I love it. It's very femme for femme. It's very like, you know, actress for actress. Uh, I just I love, I love it. I love them. They're so I love cute. them. I like I die. Like we love each other so much. And yes. I love a May December relationship. So I have to say Sarah and Holland are my top, probably.
2: Oh, that's a
3: great answer. We love um, about, Cause I love Portia more than Ellen, but.
2: You know, I'm, I, I've told Liz this, I'm rewatching Ally McBeal and I don't know if you've ever seen it, but there were so many lesbian Portia de Rossi references in it. And this was before they got to like, she taught, like she's the first one to bring up. Like, have you ever thought about kissing a woman? Like to Ally McBeal. And I'm like, knowing what I know now, this is blowing the lid off of everything. Like I it's, ever watch that. She doesn't come in until season two, but you have to, like, it is so weird have and Anne Hesh was also an Ally McBeal. And then like, then there's a lesbian thing with Lucy Lou. And there's just That's so the many thing. weird undertones that you have to fucking check it out that it still kind of holds up today. But with the knowledge that we have, it's wild. Okay. Last one for me, most accurate and least accurate lesbian stereotype. It's the same for
3: both most accurate lesbians are obsessed with their exes, least accurate lesbians are obsessed with their
2: exes walk me through that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I get it, but walk the audience through. My I'm mom like, might not get I that. I get it.
1: I, I mean,
3: right. It's so weird. Like who would ever be obsessed with their exes? Yeah. Yeah. No. No. yeah. I think that lesbians maybe aren't as quick to like end things permanently as straight people. But then I also feel like everyone is like that, like straight people get hung up on exes too. And right. And I also think like, sometimes you should in the comments, whenever I post a meme like that, like about an ex, people are like, you shouldn't be in a toxic relationship. Why would you revisit that? And it's like, it's not always toxic. It's like, sometimes you need to learn and grow. And like, maybe it's good to revisit a relationship and maybe it's not. So that's why I say it's both. It's like, it's one of my favorites. I think it's very true, but. I think it's also universal. And some people don't do that. So
1: what's a meme account that you follow that you love?
3: I love gay girl Inc. It's a really good lesbian one. She and I know each other. We too. love her. We know yeah. her too. She's amazing. Tell
1: us and the listeners where they can follow you and where they can find you.
3: So on Instagram at God, I'm such a dyke. And then on my website, God, I'm such a You can buy my uh, greeting cards that are all like lesbian focused. Um, mine. Read. Did you love them? Yeah, so I love, love them. I love them. You know, I, after the fact, I was like, oh, that's funny. I sent them the Lud Scissor one. Like, that's appropriate. Yeah, that's perfect. But yeah, they can buy those there. I'm about to drop some quarantine themed ones. So that'll Ooh. be fun. Send those to you guys you
2: know, God, you're such a dyke, Emma, Uh, but so are (laughs) we, and that's why we love you. And for everyone else out there, thank you so much for listening to this episode. You can follow us at SIAT Podcast. You can follow Liz at Listen to Liz, and you can follow me at Carpe Darren. We're all dykes here, and we all appreciate it. Emma, thank you so much for coming on Scissoring Isn't a Thing. We really appreciate it. Scissoring
1: Isn't a Thing is a production of Embassy Row. Our executive producer is Sarney Rogers. This episode was produced by Alexa Machia and Anna Marie Johnson. The show is edited by Maureen Bigas. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at SIAT Podcast.
3: See you next Tuesday.